Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Podcast. Let's discuss the sacred and the propane. What you are about to hear is deeply disturbing. sends the beast with wrath because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. There will be peace in the valley for me. Okay, first of all, I want to start with a little bit of um, business, housekeeping, and a mea culpa that I owe you. Yes. If you were listening, uh, two episodes ago, we were talking about Rosemary's Baby, and Paul said that uh, Sharon Tate was an extra, and I had never heard that, and then I, I didn't just go off what I thought I knew, I also did a quick IMDB and a few other things just to make sure there wasn't a credit in there, and there was no credit in there for Sharon Tate. There was not. And then homie sends me a a clip, a a link to an article that says she was just an uncredited extra in a party scene. Hence the mea culpa. And I accept your mea culpa. Because the first thing everybody does is go to IMDb. Right. But they don't list on, well, sometimes they list uncredited if it's notable. And actually Sharon Tate is pretty friggin' notable. Uh, Yeah, I mean, um... I even went back and looked at the party scene. Mm-hmm. She might have been... I mean, like, it's it's not like she's very prominent, you know. Right, yeah. She so. was one of the extra extras. Right. Okay, so you got me, Paul. I wish I just wish it could have been a better one that I got you with. Well, I have a, um, I have a little clip I'm going to drop in just for you. All right, all right, I apologize. I'm really, really sorry. I apologize unreservedly. I offer a... Complete and utter retraction. The imputation was totally without basis in fact and was in no way fair comment. And I deeply regret any distress that my comments may have caused you or your family. And I hereby undertake not to repeat any such slander at any time in the future. This is our seventh episode. Yes, it is. I've already started putting together a uh, a retrospective of all of our previous six episodes. Okay. Because I can't believe we've made it this far. I mean... We go all the way back right. to February 2016. 
I mean, how long ago was that? It seems like just a couple of months ago. Right, right. And so also I thought that if you needed to um, plug any of your personal appearances or anything coming up, I've got one at uh, Lana Del Rey down in Florida. Okay. I'm going to be at Stymies with uh, the Brett Michaels band. Doing? Uh, I'm going to MC and just hang out and be me, you know. Okay. Well, and uh, I, hear, I hear that's a decent gig. Who doesn't want to be in Lana Del Rey? And that I look forward to, to meeting all the fans out there and everything and that, you know, we got merch now on our website and... Um, you know, I, these are, um, I'm sorry, these, these are Eddie Trunk's notes from his podcast, so ignore all that. There's what, three listeners maybe? There, there, there are, I think, yeah. I think we're up to about three. Actually, I looked and there's, uh, I think we've had like something like five or six hundred downloads, like, which is pretty amazing. Really? Yeah. Do we have a, a do we have a means for any listeners to provide feedback? If you subscribe to iTunes or any of these, you can do comments and, okay. and you know, such, so. So if anybody's listening to this, drop us a comment. I guess the best way to do it would be through iTunes. You can um, rate it, right, and um, you know make comments. And and we don't care if it's bad comments. Honestly, I I just want any sort of input we can get to make yeah, it a good if show. It's, if it's going to be a bad comment, please be creative. Anybody can say you suck. Make it special. Make right. it you. Make it personal, and, like really painful and dark. Oh, I'd sell my soul for a donut. <laughs> That can be arranged. Many people offer to sell their souls without reflecting upon the grave ramifications. Do you have a donut or not? Coming up. Just sign here. Oh. Now remember, at the instant you finish it, I own your soul for... Hey, wait. If I don't finish this last bite, you don't get my soul, do you? Uh, technically no, but... I'm smarter than the devil. I'm smarter than the... <laughs> Good and evil, light and dark, hue and shade, um, Captain and Tennille. When it comes to, <laughs> when it comes to the basis of how rock and roll came to be, like the things that, and I'm, I'm really talking about the sacred and the propane. And the propane. And, <laughs> and I'm wanting to kind of show the good and bad that kind of helped bring this all together at the very beginning. Right. And in particular, like you know, going back as as far as you know. You need to to understand how music has been such, you know, a good thing. But then, you know, there's also powers from music that are not always positive. Right. It still resonates today. And the things, like, for example, just very quick and easy one is gospel music, right? So gospel music is born from the slavery experience. It's born from West African music traditionals mixed with Christianity and misery, basically. And it was was almost like a way of fighting misery in a very positive way. I mean, you know, it's it's a healing thing. It's It's a propulsive thing. And what's interesting about all that is that that is also where, you know, the roots of rock and roll and soul music came from. Right. And what would what used to happen is you'd have a guy like um, Sam Cooke and Sam Cooke would uh, he had the, his band, the Soul Stirrers, and they were, you know, straight up gospel. Group. Right. Well, Sam Cooke would do things like take a song and change from capital H he meaning Christ, right. God, Jesus, whatever, mm-hmm. to lowercase she meaning a woman. Right. So when you say, I love him with all my heart, right. or he is, you know, this, to now she is this. Wonderful God is so wonderful. Sam Cooke took, took this song called Wonderful, mm-hmm. and the lyric was, Whenever I need, the Lord will provide and praise my Lord's name. 
I know he's so wonderful. And then he changed it so that it's like there's never quite another sweet as you. I love my girl. She's so lovable. Right. Right. But he kept ba- the basic melody and everything intact. Slightly changed the words. Well, the Lord is my shepherd. He's my God. Whatever I need, the Lord will provide and praise my God's name. I, I know he's so wonderful. Of course, when he's singing it, I mean, you you know, when you sing I Love God versus I Love My Girlfriend or something, you can just change the inflection just enough, you know, so right. that, well, that makes a huge difference. He actually put that under the name of Dale Cook. Love above my girl, she's lovable, she's so lovable. Mm. Candy sweet and honey too. There's not another quite, quite as sweet as you. I know, I know, I know, I know I'll always love you. You're so lovable. Because he was afraid of the fact that he knew he was actually changing a gospel song. This was pretty early, you know? And same thing with Ray Charles. Uh, there's actually a scene in the movie, Ray, if you see it, where... I have seen it, yeah. yeah. well, you know, he's performing, and all of a sudden somebody in the crowd kind of goes, wait, wait, wait a minute, this is a... He's taking a gospel song and changed this into yeah. this pop song, and people are pissed. Hold on. Hey, you got a problem. Yeah, I got a problem. That's gospel you singing... You're turning God's music into sex. You're making money off the law. Don't y'all smile at me. All of y'all in it too. All of y'all going straight to hell. If all of y'all want me to keep playing, let me hear you say amen. Amen. That was sacrilege in music right there. Right. Some of them really transcends gospel, Christianity, Mm. any of that. Like some of it is so far above and beyond that it doesn't matter what they're singing. Right. And, like, have you ever heard, like, really rooty, true gospel that it does not matter what you're listening to? You don't think, you don't even, li- you're just sitting there kind of mesmerized by the right. sound. Yeah, yeah. And with that, I'm talking about, like, the Staples singers, like Mavis Staples. She would sing, she could sing a phone book, and you'd be like, yeah! There's a Staples singer song I'm going to pop in here. Just tell that I'm coming on the morning train
It is so... I, I don't know what the word is, man, but it makes you make those ugly sex faces when you're singing it. Yeah! Clenching your fist and you're singing our it. Listeners are, our listeners are very fortunate that there's not a camera filming this <laughs> right now. <laughs> your head's bobbing, you know, you're just like, yes! You can't get much more soulful than that. Right. Especially with, with what you were just doing. I mean, right at the top of that list <laughs> is soulful. No one loves things anymore. I do. I love this harp. I'd give anything for this harp. Well, in that case, sign this simple contract, and the harp is yours. Play now, pay later. It's sort of like consignment. Exactly. I was kind of thinking, you know, this time of year, you know, you got Easter, you got a lot of religious holidays coming up. Right. So you got the Hindu New Year starting on April 8th. You've got uh, Baisakhi, it's a Sikh? Okay. I think, or Sikh. All right, so this is probably Basiki on April 14th. The first day of Ridvan on the 21st. What is Ridvan? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I just want to apologize for everybody up front if I'm messing up your religion, but I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to observe these religious holidays. And then on the 22nd is the second day of Ridvan. And then on the 23rd is the third day of Ridvan. Oh. On the 24th is the fourth day of Ridvan. Okay. How many days of Ridvan are there? Um, I don't know. I was going to keep doing this till I got to the end of the month. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a Buddhist holiday on the 22nd and 23rd. Mm-hmm. Then you've got from the 23rd to the 30th of Passover. Uh, so I thought with all that, it would be interesting to do a show on blasphemy and sacrilege. And... Every Sunday I would go to church with my mama. She said, if you want to go to church and you want to play music in the church, you going to play music in the church, uh, you want to go the other way, that's your business. I said, yes, ma'am, I'm going the other way. <laughs> that's what I <laughs> You worship Satan, so what kind of insight can you give us on Walpurgis Night, which is on May 1st? See, this is where you're mistaken. I do not worship Satan. What kind of sauce goes on the flying spaghetti monster? Traditionally, it's a marinara. Next time you go to the grocery store with your wife, uh-huh. make sure there's people around. Grab a can of pasta sauce off the shelf and go, Alfredo, you broke my heart. <laughs> all I care is that next time you show up, you have a black eye and you tell me it's from Kim. That's that's all I want to know. And, see, that would be the greatest. If you show up and I say, what happened, man? He goes, Kim. And I'm like, is it because of me? And he goes, yes. I'm like, yes. Yes. Man, that would be great. But, you know, you've got all these words for the evil one, the devil, right? Right. Mistopheles. Old Scratch. Lucifer. Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Yeah, that's the, that's the one I was thinking of. Do you know what Beelzebub means? I do not know what Beelzebub means. It, it means Lord of the Thighs. I mean, I'm sorry. It means Lord of the Flies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it does mean Lord of the Flies. A lot of religions have this kind of thing where the, the good has been forced out of heaven or... How deep into that were you intending to go? Well, I was just throwing in some notes and then I didn't edit them. Here's another one. Um, Lilith, you know, in Jewish folklore, was supposed to be Adam's first wife before Eve. Also created out of clay instead of from his rib. Therefore, she was truly equal to Adam. When she was supposed to be subservient to Adam, she was like, fuck that. Right. So they got a divorce. She got half of the, the Garden of Eden. Yes. The reason I brought up Lilith is because she's associated with the power of seduction. Mm-hmm. And there's been this history of women enticing men, which goes all the way back literally to the beginning of time. Absolutely. You know, when God in the Bible or whatever, however that was done, whoever came up with that, came up with the very, very, very first conflict between people. It was between a man and a woman.
that piece of humanity is probably responsible for more music than any other thing on the earth. Not just music, but art in general. You can kind of understand why a man would be like, that woman is the devil, what she did to me. Right. Because, you know, if you've had your heart broken, or even if you've not had your heart broken, but if you've been infatuated or in love with somebody, if there's unrequited love, it, it does not feel human. You know, it doesn't feel like something you could experience under normal circumstances. Right, yeah. So you think, well, she must be evil to do this to me, you know? Must be. Must be. Uh, it can't be that I can't keep a job and I won't shave or anything. No, it must be. It must be her. Now that I've lost everything to you, you say you want to start something new, and it's breaking my heart you're leaving. Maybe I'm grieving, but if you want to leave, take good care. Hope you have a lot of nice things to wear, but then a lot of nice things turn bad out there. was a hit for British singer Cat Stevens in 1970. In 1977, Stevens converted to Islam and adopted the name Yusuf Islam and left his music career to devote himself to his religion. On February 12, 1989, Yusuf Islam was asked about the fatwa calling for author Salman Rushdie's execution for blasphemy. Quote, he must be killed. The Quran makes it clear, if someone defames the Prophet, then he must die. Unquote. Another participant was the Muslim convert, Yusuf Islam, formerly the singer Cat Stevens. He also supported the death sentence on Rushdie. Would you go to a demonstration where you knew that an effigy was going to be burnt? I would have hoped that it'd be the real thing, but actually, no, if it's just an effigy, I don't think I'd be that moved to go there. He returned to music in 2006 and was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, despite calling for the death of another artist who merely exercised free speech in his work. I would have given you all of my heart But there's someone who's torn it apart And she's taken almost all that I've got Fuck you, asshole. Like, do you know how many rock stars have gone down this path of trying to find God? Mm -hmm. Prince has done stuff like, um, have you heard a story where he, as a Jehovah's Witness, was going door to door? He did that. He went door to door to people to talk to them. Which, can you imagine if Prince shows up at your door? You'd, you'd let him in just to say, I had Prince in my house. So it'd be something like this. Your daughter goes to the door, the dog's barking, you know. Your daughter goes to the door and she's like, um, yeah. Hey, Dad, there's like a, a little boy here dressed in purple. <laughs> he wants to talk to you about God or something. That must be Prince. I would come running to the door. That must be Prince. I remember Prince and Madonna both had this sort of like weird thing with mixing religion with sexuality. Right, yeah. Yeah, in the, in the 80s, everybody was losing their shit over Madonna. 
she thought crucifixes were sexy. Okay. And somebody said, why? Why are crucifixes sexy? She said, there's a little naked man on there. You know, I grew up reading Rolling Stone magazine, and you know how Rolling Stone magazine hasn't been a music magazine since... Oh, no. Since the 80s or something. Because you'd have guys like Dave Marsh taking her seriously. Right. Well, they gave her legitimacy, and that's horseshit. Do you know the song Justify My Love? Yeah. You know, that's based on a public enemy sample. In the background, you've got Lenny Kravitz kind of cooing along with it in the background. Right. And then her just basically talking sexy over it, which is fine. But have you ever heard the Devil Within mix? It's her with that track, but her reading Revelations. I, I didn't even know that existed. When I was in that word, that's what we used to open like with. Like, you know, the music you put on before you come on stage? Right, yeah. And she's like, let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast. And I know that's been done, obviously. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah we got that from Iron Maiden. But, uh, of course, I'll drop that in right here. Here. Blessed is he who reads aloud the words of the prophecy, and blessed are those who hear, and who keep what is written therein, for the time is near. He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, everyone who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Those of you who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan. I know your works. I know your toil and your patient endurance. And how you cannot hear evil men, but have tested those who call themselves apostles, but are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had I know your tribulation and your poverty and the slander of those who say They are Jews, but they are not. They are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw you into prison. And you got Bob Dylan. He would proselytize on stage. I had no idea. I thought he was just making albums, but he would get up there and try to talk. These things that it mentions in the Bible, I, I play mighty close attention to. Talking about this this man here. It's called the Antichrist. And we've had, you know, a lot of previews of what the Antichrist could be like. You know, you had that Jim Jones. He's like a preview. You had uh, Adolf Hitler. 
Anyway, the Antichrist is going to be a little bit, a little bit different than that. Right? Evidently, he's going to bring peace to the world. He will eventually be defeated too, supernaturally defeated. God will intervene, but he's still going to have to be aware of these things. You need something strong to hang on to. I don't know what you got to hang on to, but I got something called a solid rock to hang on to. That was manifested in the flesh justified in the spirit let me tell y'all about the antichrist y'all know about the antichrist uh, oh my god can you believe that i did not I, know I that didn't, i didn't know that either so so he wasn't just christian he was like hardcore yeah and like i said he would get up on stage and go into these sermons right yeah. which is just that's fine i don't have a problem i mean i you know i believe in christ and everything too but i don't want to go see bob dylan and have him up there i honestly think that a lot of people they get into this sort of age where they start reflecting back on their lives and they've got everything and they've accomplished everything and they want to know what's what is it really about still out here doing these songs you know you're still on tour i do but i don't take it for granted why do you still do it why are you still out here well it goes back to the destiny thing i mean i made a bargain with it a long time ago and i'm holding up my hand what was your bargain to get where i am now should i ask who you made the bargain with <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and this earth and in, uh, and then in a world we can't see. Well, sometimes drugs just does well, crazy shit. Well, drugs, I mean, drugs, Ben Folds has a song, uh, which is about a guy, okay, at a party, who took a bunch of acid, climbed up a tree, sat up in the tree all night, tripping his face off, and came down a born-again Christian. Yeah, that song's called Not the Same, is that right? I think it is, yeah. yeah. and was that on his first solo album, I think? Yeah, I think it was the first solo record. Rock Rockin' Suburbs. about the tritone as a musician the tritone yeah you mean like uh, like in music theory like a triad or? well just you don't know shit about the tritone 
Apparently, I don't know shit about. The- All right, the Devil's Chord. Um, what else has it been called? Um, was it Diabolus and music? Oh, oh. It's it's the interval. Um, it, all right, what does it say? The musical interval of an augmented fourth, also called a diminishing fifth or tritone, was called the Devil's Chord and was banned by the Roman Catholic Church in the Middle Ages. Composers avoided the interval, although it is sometimes found in secular music at the time. It was used in religious music only in specific, uh, specific circumstances to portray evil. Oh, wow. I, I did not know that. Tritone. And the tritone has been huge in metal, you know? Obviously, because metal has a specific sound. Exactly. And they got it from the tritone. That's pretty cool. And they were pulling that from, um, who's the the composer who did Mars? Um, You know how I have the disembodied female voice come on sometimes? Right, yeah. All right, well, her name is Barbarella. Okay. And Barbarella is what I'm going to use in instances like this where I can't remember the composer's name. Barbarella and Barbarella will pop in and go, The name you are looking for is Gustav Holst, and this piece is called Mars, the bringer of war. That has a lot to say. I, yeah, you'd be surprised. Had you heard the story, any of those stories that, you know, this, this chord sequence, these notes, this feel was not permitted? I did not know that. Yeah. That's cool shit. But have you ever heard of Nikolai uh, Paganini? That name sounds very familiar. You know when you go to Panera? Right. And they make you a Paganini sandwich? That's a Panini. I thought it was named after this dude. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Okay, so back to Paganini, right? So he's this violinist. He was born in the 1780s and he died in the the 1840s, right? When he would play, he was said to be surrounded by an aura. And this would kind of freak people out. He would make all these bizarre sounds on his violin. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a transformative of his instrument and not common at the time. He also had this incredible reach. Like, he was capable of playing three octaves across four strings and one hand span. Those are enormous hands. That's the point of this. And, you know, years later, they think that his unnatural ability came from the result of Marfan syndrome. Have you ever heard of this? No. Marfan syndrome, connective tissue disease, and it allows your fingers and hands and probably, I would imagine, your toes, your arms, any, any number of places that you're infected with this or have this particular issue to where you could stretch just way beyond what your connective tissue would normally allow. So they think that that is why he was able to do what he did. Basically what I'm getting at is this dude was sort of the precursor, Mm -hmm. maybe the first known historical figure that you can put your finger on and say was the first rock star. Right, okay. Women would go crazy over him, men wanted to kill him. Uh, He was uh, diagnosed with syphilis, and his remedy included mercury and opium. And so that came with uh, serious physical... High-end crazy. And psychological side effects. Yes. There's a, a movie about him, and I, I haven't seen it, but I've, I've heard of this, and I'd heard of this scene in the movie. People who were pissed off at him, which was a lot of people a lot of the time, mm-hmm. they go and they sabotage his violin by making it so that one of the strings will break with much tension on it, right? right. And he has this big performance. Well, not only does he go, the string breaks, 
he makes it part of the performance. He breaks the others until he's down to one string still kicking ass. Oh, wow. And then throws his violin into the crowd. That is rock and roll. Yeah. If anybody wants to argue that he wasn't a rock star, that is a rock star movie. Well, well, and that's, and that's, you just hit it, okay? Rock and roll, like I used to tell people that punk rock is, punk rock is an attitude more than a type of music. Absolutely. It is an attitude. All right, so anyway, the last thing I was going to say about Paganini was that he died before a priest could be summoned. So because of that and his widely rumored association with evil, his body was denied a burial by the Catholic Church. Really? It took four years and an appeal from the Pope for a church to finally bury him permanently. All right, but think about this. Okay, the story I just told you about Paganini, and your brain goes to Devil Went Down to Georgia. Right. And Jimmy Page with his bow. Right. Ah, see? Yeah, see? Full circle now. See? It all ties together. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Believe me, in editing, I'll make it so much better. It's pop quiz time, bitch. In the 1986 movie, Crossroads, what is the name that the devil goes by? <laughs> I'm terribly sorry, but that is the wrong answer. What you doing on these crossroads alone, Willie Brown? Robert Johnson told me I can make a deal here. <laughs> With who? Robert said man called Legba. You him? I'm his assistant. Your green don't buy nothing down where Legba come from, boy. Now you want to play like Robert Johnson? Well, say goodnight to your soul, son. Sign. In this depiction, the devil is referred to as Legba. Jazz was actually the one that people called the devil's music. Right. First of all, if you were in a juke joint back in that day, it didn't like going down to Applebee's. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's not like going to any bar that we know. It was, it, And it's not that everybody was doing something, but if there was going to be something going on, it was going to be there. And there wasn't like one of those on every block. Right. And there was no family entertainment. So, yeah, you could say that's music for the devil, but it might be the devils right. more than the devil, right? Yeah. And, and so, you know, you can understand where that association came from. Have you ever seen the movies? Every time there's a, a bio made in the 50s or the 60s, and they show girls hearing music, they all just start dancing and grinding. They do stuff that's just would put little Kim to shame. Have you ever, like, gotten on stage, and as soon as you step the mic and hit one note, all of a sudden people drop their drinks, they turn around, they drop their panties, they start grinding on each other. They're doing these synchronized dance moves that they had never done before. It was all that without the synchronized dance moves. Man, you got closer than I did. Uh, yeah, well... These are dins of... What would they call them? Dins of something. There's like a better word. Um, Dins of... It's like din of misbehavior. Din of... Go deeper. What is it? Din of inequity. Din of... Inequity. uh, Din of, you know... (laughs) Did you know some of the songs... And I'm going to drop in samples of these. (laughs) These juke joint songs. Uh, There's one called My Man Rocks Me with One Steady Roll. Rock and roll. That is where it came from. And it's clearly about sex in this instant. Wait, they're not talking about Twister? That was recorded by Trixie Smith... I said, now, Daddy, you know a lot of tricks. He kept rocking with one steady roll. All right, then there's another one by Clara Smith called It's Tight Like That. And it does mean what you think it means. Listen here, folks, I'm going to sing a little song. But you mustn't get mad. I don't mean no wrong. There's an old maid name is Liza Fett. Always. 
tight like that, huh? Yeah. Dinah Washington, uh-huh. who was a fairly well-respected uh, jazzy singer later in her career, she had a song called Big Long Sliding Thing. Yeah. And you know what it was about? Um, a trombone player. Ah. See, she was much more clever. Tell me where's my daddy with that big long sliding thing. That's a good one. You go from Dinah Washington to uh, Chuck Berry to Paul Stanley. Uh, these are just other titles, and some of these you might have. It ain't the meat, it's the motion. That, that could only mean one thing, dancing. Yeah. And, of course, you've heard Big Ten Inch record. Aerosmith, everybody knows that song now because Steve Tyler. Yes. Because he thought it was such a funny joke for whatever reason. She just loved my Big Ten Inch record of her favorite blues. Have you ever heard a song called Shave Em Dry? I have not. I'm going to drop it in here when I do the editing, mm-hmm. and you won't hear it until you listen back to our voices talking as we are right now, which will be kind of creepy. Right. You're going to hear the sample that'll blow your mind. You'll be like, damn. I got nipples on my titties, big as the end of my thumb. I got something between my legs, I'll make a dead man come out. This is why this podcast is awesome, because when, once you finish one, yeah. I'm as excited as everybody else to fucking hear it. <laughs> yeah, I've been here talking, but I don't know what this thing's going to sound like until it's done. I'm going to turn back my mattress and let you all my springs. I want you to find me, Daddy, till the bell do ring all day. Who's the most famous bluesman of all time? Robert Johnson. Robert Johnson, right. The story of uh, the crossroads might not have actually been about him. Really? You know how historical figures sometimes get mashed together, right? When it comes to Robert Johnson, there's also uh, Tommy Johnson. Right. Now, Tommy Johnson didn't have any music or any songs that sounded so obvious as, you know, the Robert Johnson songs, Me and the Devil Blues. Right. Tommy Johnson had no songs like that. He did have Can't Heat, which... Uh, gave us the band Canned Heat and covers of the song. I mean, he, you know, he, he's an important blues figure. It's been said he was the one and that the reason people kind of meshed them together is because they were old blues guys who, you know, not much was known about and you would kind of mesh stories together and Robert Johnson's songs just sounded more evil. I wonder if the, the Coen brothers, when they made the movie uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? That dude's name was Tommy, Tommy Johnson. Johnson. I was going there uh, because when I was watching that movie uh, and they said Tommy Johnson, my first thought was, 
oh, they don't want to say Robert Johnson. And then later I was like, no, Tommy Johnson was a real dude. So I thought maybe they made a mistake or something, you know? I think the Coen brothers knew. I think they the Coen brothers the aren't stupid enough. They know the story, exactly. Yeah. Thanks for the lift, sir. My name's Tommy, Tommy Johnson. What are you doing out in the middle of nowhere? Well, I had to be at that there crossroads last midnight to sell my soul to the devil. What did the devil give you for your soul, Tommy? Well, he taught me to play this here guitar real good. Oh, son, for that you traded your everlasting soul? Well, I wouldn't use it. See, but that's why I put that in, you know, to talk about that. Uh, but Robert Johnson, obviously. The playing, the songs, the whole vibe given off. Right. Imagine if that story wasn't attributed to him. Do you think Mick Jagger and uh, Jimmy Page would have given a shit? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. It could have changed the course of history. Obviously, you know, Robert Johnson influences, you know, Zepp, right. uh, Clapton. Have you heard early Fleetwood Mac? Yes. Peter Green? Oh, man, that shit. Have you heard, like, Skip James, Devil Got My Woman? I don't I, Would I know it if I heard it? I don't think so if you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. But it's, it's really good. I'll put that in. I'm rather be the devil to be that woman, man. Crossroads is supposedly Highway 61 and 49, where they meet in uh, Clarksdale, Mississippi. I did not know that. And that's where also, you know, Bob Dylan Highway 61, partly that as a reference, also partly that 61 would basically bring you from Minnesota down to New Orleans. Okay. Oh, God said to Abraham, kill me a son. Abe said, man, you must be putting me on. God said, no. Abe said, what? God say you can do what you want, eh? But uh, next time you see me coming, you better run. Well, Abe said, where do you want this killing done? God said, on Highway 61. 
I found this Bon Jovi song about the devil. You're not gonna fucking let it go, are you? <laughs> oh, <for laughs> You're just not gonna let it go. Well, I'm just saying. All right. My point is that even John Bon Jovi has a song about going down the crossroads and being a devil. And said Led Zeppelin had some backwards masking in their song. Right. Bon Jovi has some backward masking on that song. Really? Yeah. And what does it say? I'm gonna drop it in right here, and you can hear it on Friday, bitch. Because one of my favorite parts of the show is when I say, and do you know who did this? And you say no. And I pause dramatically. Yes. And then I say something that blows your mind. Okay. And you go, oh. So you need samples of me going, oh, oh. I have those, dude. Oh. <laughs> Oh, wait. So I got one. The conspiracy theory is that Barbara Bush mm-hmm. is the illegitimate daughter of Aleister Crowley. Because Barbara Bush's mother had been in the Crowley circle at one time. Right. Savard goings on at the house. During his occupancy, our legion stories tell of the unexplained disappearance of Crowley's housekeeper and a local workman who went out of his mind. After being tormented by the dark spirits conjured up by Crowley's rituals. Crowley goes around the world, writes books, somehow becomes popular with the 60s crowd. A little bit of Stones, Beatles, all those guys. But Jimmy Page is the one who took it the furthest. Right. You know, buying his house. Yes. Bulliskine House in Loch Ness. On December 23rd, 2015, Bulliskin Manor in Scotland burned down. The house, located on the shore of Loch Ness, was formerly owned by Alistair Crowley and Jimmy Page. Here, the title of the article reads, Former Home of Most Evil Man in Britain Burns Down. Was that like a trendy thing, though, during that time where everybody was trying to out Alistair Crowley each other? Well, I, I think there was definitely some of that, but I mean, that's pretty much the big one. Well, yeah, that's I mean, that's basically you. You've basically nuked the whole competition yeah, at yeah. that point. Uh, that house burned down last year. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's I. I don't know. Now nobody's taking that mantle from Jimmy Page. No. No, Jimmy Page sold the house, and I guess the mantle was inside the house. Okay, but they could have taken the mantle with them. Yeah, but we don't know that. I'm not going to cast aspersions on Jimmy Page. I know he cavorted with the devil and everything, but I'm not going to say shit about his, like, his interior design did he skills. Did he, or was it more like a nodding acquaintance? Jimmy Page participated in the backwards masking on Led Zeppelin albums that have brought us all to our knees. It's in the book Magic, and he says, Let him learn to write backwards. Let him learn to walk backwards. Let him practice speaking backwards. Let him learn to be backwards. Hmm. Hence backwards messages. Have you ever heard some of those crazy samples like Queen Mm-mm. decide to smoke marijuana? They did backwards messages? No shit. Well, it, they didn't. It was it was as, like most of them. Okay. You know, most of them are bullshit. Right. You know, when they put them in, it's kind of obvious. Right. And well, do you remember um, Motley Crue shot at the Devil record? Yeah, what it, was it, that it, one? It had a warning on the back that said, Warning, album contains backwards messages. Yeah. And uh, believe me, I sat there with a fucking turntable. Oh, yeah. I went through every fucking song playing it backwards, and all I got out of that was a headache. 
forward. You're stairway lies on the whispering wind. Forward it says, and your stairway lies on the whispering wind. Backwards it says, because I live with Satan. Listen carefully. Raise your hands if you heard that. I had a turntable back then. You could take the band off of it and then run it backwards. Right. And so every week I'd be like, for some reason I'd fuck it up. And every week I'd be like, my dad, I, I don't know what happened to my record player. Can you help me fix my record player? And he was like, always like, this motherfucking record player, what happens to always it? Always playing backwards. Well, he didn't know that I was screwing with it the whole time. Also, what's interesting is that on uh, Led Zeppelin 4, a lot of people think that whole thing's about Crowley and that the old man in the middle is Crowley. Right. It's not. That's like a tarot card, right? It's the hermit. Oh, I did not. Know, I didn't know that. I used to have that painted in my bedroom, like floor to ceiling. Oh, cool. In the basement. And it was it was pretty good. It, and um, like it would always creep people out. And then apparently like when we moved and the people came in after us, they told our neighbors like, I don't know what they were doing in that basement, but there was all kinds of weird shit. It's far out, man. I would, wherever we moved, I would want the attic or the basement or someplace as far away from everybody else <laughs> as I could get and where I could do whatever the fuck I wanted to. Right. So I always, it would be like, you know, oh, there's no basement or attic, but there's this tool shed in the back right, with yeah. a dirt floor. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Untitled Podcast. The, the old man in the middle is the hermit, and people were even saying they thought that the Battle of Evermore was about revelations, but it's not. It's Tolkien, right? Well, that's what I thought. I thought it was either Tolkien or some medieval, medievalish shit, because, I mean, they, they liked lyrics like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, it doesn't even have to be Tolkien. It could just be Tolkien-ish. It definitely is. The Queen of Light took her bow, and then she turned to go. Tolkien-esque. Do you say Beatle-ish, or you say Beatlesque? I say you both. You say either. There you go. I, see, I think that's a huge problem solved right there. Uh, did you know on Le- uh, Led Zeppelin 3 and the vinyl, uh, Jimmy Page had inscribed, Do what thou wilt, so me it be. That's straight. That's a straight-up uh, Crowley quote. Really? Yeah, and he put that on the vinyl. Let me drop a little knowledge on you. About Alistair Crowley. Because he intersects with the whole Jimmy Page thing. You know, Jimmy Page had the Paganini thing. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Page had the uh, Robert Johnson thing. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Page had the Alistair Crowley thing. Right. The cloud of mystique that shadowed the band grew with the news of Jimmy Page's interest in Alistair Crowley, an early 20th century Englishman aligned with black magic and demonology. Page's fascination with Crowley led many to believe he was into black magic himself. Well, Alistair Crowley, uh, shockingly, was born rich. Uh, I mean, he, he flat out says he loves to do, you know, pretty sick things. He wants to be a sick person. Uh, his wife's diary has some very interesting input as to what she would do or not do or, you know, basically what this relationship meant to her. And it was not something you'd want to hear your wife say. Really? <laughs> yeah. I dedicate myself wholly to the great work. I will work for wickedness. I will kill my heart. I will be shameless before all men. I will freely prostitute my body to all creatures. Damn! I don't know. It, it may sound like a stereotype, and I don't believe it is, but a lot of these hugely important soul artists come from a church experience. Otis Redding, you know, Sam Cooke, obviously, Marvin Gaye. What I'm saying is, you know, it comes back to the church again. That's when the door was kicked open for rock and roll. Nobody's fault but mine. Nobody's fault but mine. If I die and my soul be lost, ain't nobody's fault but mine. 
Boston has been produced by Donnie Shattuck.